Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. I'm Damian Bulwa, Metro Editor at the San Francisco Chronicle. Today on Fifth and Mission, Speaker Pelosi puts impeachment on the table. President Trump's call with the Ukrainian president, pressing for an investigation into Joe Biden and his son, has triggered an inquiry that could result in the third impeachment of an American president. Senior political writer Joe Garofoli and editorial page editor John Diaz are here to talk about what happens next, why Pelosi changed her mind, and what it all means for next year's election. Joe Garofoli and John Diaz right after this. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. All right, Joe, it's five o'clock p.m. on Tuesday. What is the latest? The latest is we're going to see the Democrats in the House moving towards impeachment of the president of the United States 31 months after the first Democrat called for it. Now, the the thing is that the Democrats are still short of the required number, 218 votes, to actually impeach President Trump. uh, So it's not a sure thing yet. Okay, and why now? Why did Nancy Pelosi today decide that that she should move forward when she's been so hesitant to do that in the past? Why now is that um, there's concerns over uh, calls that uh, a call that the president had with the president of the Ukraine. President Trump had with the president of the Ukraine. And what was said on that call, they're trying to find out, get a, if the president has offered to give a transcript of that call. Um, the uh, Democrats say, no, we don't want the transcript. We want to talk to the whistleblower who had concerns about what the president said on that call with the president of the Ukraine. And White House has not been forthcoming in doing that. The uh, Pelosi said, okay, then that really inspired her to go to finally push the impeachment button. And, and Joe, certainly uh, Speaker Pelosi has been getting an awful lot of pressure from the rank and file, particularly some of the uh, more progressive young members uh, who have been really agitating for impeachment for quite a while. And let's not forget, actually, the impeachment process has been going forward. They've just been very reticent to actually use that I word. Yeah, well, they, well, some of them use it. Like uh, Jerry Nadler does say this is an impeachment hearing, but not an impeachment inquiry, which is, uh, and the and the reason you would have an impeachment inquiry is it gives you, the Democrats hope, greater legal heft in getting the documents that you need. And I, Damien, I think there are a number of elements of, of this story, this allegation that are different than the Mueller report. One is it happened while Donald Trump was president. It wasn't involving people around him. Uh, he was yeah, it's very involved. fresh. I mean, it happened in July. 
Yeah, exactly. And actually, it happened on July, the day after, the very next day after Mueller gave his testimony to Congress, and all Trump and all his allies were dancing in the end zone saying no collusion, no obstruction. What does the president do? He picks up the phone and what one arguably could say is uh, collusion with a foreign power. Yeah, the allegation is that he he tells him that uh, he need, he would like him to look into Joe Biden and his family uh, in the Ukraine. And it's about a week after from the reporting after he has uh, cut off aid uh, to the to the Ukraine. So, John, it, it seems like something that's a little more digestible for the public, perhaps, than the than the Mueller inquiry. That is absolutely the case, because basically you have whether whether President Trump said it explicitly or certainly implicitly uh, that, hey, we're asking you to look into this. The Ukraine president knows that uh, there's hundreds of millions of dollars of military aid that are out there in the ether only to, you know, if he and and he certainly was trying to ingratiate himself to the president at that point. It's kind of like if you if you're going for a promotion or a raise with your boss and your boss asks you to do something, what's the implied thing? If you want the raise, you do it. And and in this case, if you want the military aid, you do it. Uh, obviously, there's going to be a lot of pushback from Republicans saying there was no quid pro quo. Uh, but this is, as you point out, Damian, much different than the Mueller report, where there were a lot of figures, a lot of uh, people on the on the sidelines. This is the president of the United States on the phone with a foreign leader. Right. You don't have the side characters. You don't have the Papadopoulos. You don't have Michael Flynn. You don't have all these other people who were. It's a. It was a hard story to sell, and that's what has. Democrats, uh, from a strategic point of view, the politics of this more excited because uh, one of the reasons Pelosi was reluctant to move forward with impeachment before was it because it does not poll well. In fact, most Americans are not in favor of impeachment. Most Democrats are in favor of it. But, you know, when you, uh, for example, in the seven California House districts where uh, Democrats flipped a seat that was held by Republican. Uh, it's polling at 40% or less. That's what a, a Republican strategist told me today. He said, please, please bring on impeachment. That's good for us. That is not a winning issue in these districts where it's going to be close. Um, and plus, it allows, as this guy said, as a Republican strategist, uh, it allows Trump to play the victim card. And he's like, look what they're doing to me. This system is rigged. It's rigged against me. It's rigged against you, he says to his supporters. It helps to rally his base. So Democrats or I'm sorry, Republicans are kind of excited about this. Well, as we speak Tuesday, you've been you've been talking to them. You've been calling them. You've been calling to uh, Republicans in these. Well, to Democrats in these swing districts. Right. Yes. In fact, we saw um, uh, one now three today um, just uh, change their mind on impeachment. Three in California. Katie Hill from uh, sort of suburban Los Angeles. Um, we have Josh Harder from Central Valley, and we have T.J. Cox from the Central Valley. Three people who were, you know, when you'd ask them about impeachment, they'd be like, ah, you know, I'm checking them, <laughs> because they don't even want to go near it because of the reasons we were just talking about. Um, so today they said, you know, if we're going to have to investigate this, let's investigate it. Also, uh, Gil Cisneros from Orange County, another first-term Democrat who's going to be in a tough re-election race, also is now supporting um, 
impeachment? You know, I think the politics of this are very precarious and very uncertain. We have no I, no idea at this point. Anybody who says that they think that this is either going to help or hurt the president, I mean, who knows? Uh, Nancy Pelosi, and we talked to her up there in the uh, editorial boardroom, where she's basically saying you have to have the American people with you uh, to go forward on something this polarizing. Well, the American people are not with the Democrats on on impeachment. I don't know that this Ukraine story has that quickly changed uh, the opinion of the American people, but you know it's just the right thing to do. And I think uh, and she really had no choice because you can kind of get to the point as we make in our editorial, where at what point do you say this is okay for the president of the United States to do? You know, it almost becomes a, a politics be damned. You know, at some point you have to do the right thing and take the chance that the right thing is going to um, is going to vindicate you or that the people will be with you. And the and the uh, the Democrats are saying that I the Democratic strategists that I talked to today are saying this. Well, while the previous polls said that Democrats were not in favor, as you alluded to, John, uh, of of impeachment. Um, there has been no polling on this. It's so fresh. And it is a simpler, they believe it's a simpler story to tell uh, than, than, the, um, than the Russia investigation. So they're hopeful that this is going to be a different story for them. But I don't know. I think there's gonna, this is, it's still a hard story to tell. There are going to be a lot of people conflating this. They're like, wait a minute, didn't, wait, didn't they already say that Trump, some people are going to say, didn't, isn't Trump already cleared of this? No collusion? I, and I'm confused, whatever. I, I pay too much for health care anyways. Well, I want to ask you guys both a little more about the election. But first, Joe, can you kind of just tell us in basic terms where we go from here and how impeachment works? Okay. Well, uh, think of impeachment as the House will bring charges. They will do an investigation to see what happened in this case. And if they find that there has been something that the, they feel rises to the crime, rises to the level of high crimes and misdemeanors, which can be pretty much anything, it's a very, very broad term. That's how it's defined in the Constitution. They can bring charges, and then they will. Then there will be a trial on those charges in the Senate, and then the Senate votes on that. There will be people from members of the House who will act as the attorneys, and the, the president will have attorneys, and they'll have a trial. Uh, this has happened. Uh, some of our listeners may remember when Bill Clinton went through this in 1998. Um, so uh, the challenge here for Democrats is that the jury is already kind of stacked in favor of <laughs> Republicans, <laughs> since there are 53 Republicans in the Senate and there's 45 Democrats and two independents in the in the Senate. So uh, for the for the president to be removed from office, uh, the Democrats would have to convince 20 Republicans. Uh, assuming that everyone, as they usually do, vote along party lines uh, to to join them. So it's I mean, this is, you know, we're making a big deal about this today. But ultimately, John, this is a big, rock, big hill to climb. Yeah, I, I think it's actually an impossible hill to climb. <laughs> but I, I think for the Democrats, really, what would would be consequential is not if the, the, there's no way they're going to get to 67 and get uh, Trump removed from office. But even if they get un, if they have a majority, if they can get a pick off a few Republicans like Mitt Romney, uh, the senator from Utah, talking in terms of uh, if this is what it appears to be, that it's what do you say, ex- serious in the extreme or some kind of thing yes. <laughs> short of saying There's it. No love he, lost between he, those two. He did also. not use impeachable. Uh, 
But I think that's the key is if uh, you can get some Republicans to come over and they could be very uncomfortable. And there will be three, I'm sorry, three Republicans who will be facing a, who really don't want this to move to the Senate. And those are three Republicans facing reelection in swing states. Cory Gardner, Senator Cory Gardner in Colorado, Senator Susan Collins in Maine, and uh, Senator Martha McSally in uh, Arizona. And they are facing very tough reelection battles. They do not want to have their campaigns dominated by this question when it comes up to that uh, point uh, early next year, probably. You know, one thing that strikes me uh, about this that is so different than the Mueller report is it is so, the Mueller investigation, this is so fast moving. Mm -hmm. Think about like months and months and everybody's trying to figure out what Mueller's doing. I mean, tomorrow, uh, the president of the United States has, has said he's going to release the transcripts of that call. Believe it, if you will. <laughs> First of all, whether he does it, yeah. uh, he's made some promises and what, and what before. Form that looks like, yeah. and uh, how complete and uh, accurate that transcript is. Uh, but even that's not the final word, because supposedly the whistleblower uh, has a. It's not just the one call, and the whistleblower supposedly has, according to Congressman Adam Schiff, has reached out through his attorney that he's willing to testify before Congress. Uh, that so. Here in a very, very short, and possibly even this week, according to Schiff. I think we have so, the director of national intelligence supposed to come before the Senate on Thursday, yes. too. So we're going to have a, a couple of, this is, the, the political theater will be at its height <laughs> over the next yeah, several that's weeks. that's kind of what I wanted to get at. I mean, John, you were talking about where the votes fall. But let's, putting aside the votes, um, what is getting this on the front burner? What is the discussion um, going to do for the election next year? I mean, that's the calculus, right? Well, I know, I know you and... Uh, and Joe are young young men. Uh, I'm old enough to <laughs> thank I'm, you so much. I'm old enough to remember the Watergate hearings, where night after night it was on primetime television. Uh, people were just transfixed with watching uh, these various characters in, in Watergate. I think think the fact that it is a formal impeachment inquiry versus Jerry Nadler, uh, you know, getting some airtime on MSNBC and CNN. I think it's going to there's there's just going to be a lot more public attention. And again, to the politics, that could go either way. It could go either way. How so? Well, it's it's very possible that this could backfire against against Democrats. It could solidify Trump's base. Uh, in terms of Joe Biden, I, I I can't believe that he's entirely comfortable with the story coming out as it is, because you know, almost like Hillary Clinton's emails, once you have that sort of stigma of a scandal around you, it's kind of hard to shake off, even. You know, a lot of people are not going to look at the details. They're just going to take that talking point from Sean Hannity or uh, Trump himself. Uh, well, also the the question is going to be like, well, why is your son Hunter Biden on the <laughs> on the board of directors in a company in Ukraine? And the reason is because his name is Hunter Biden. You know, the the the, the supposition was that the the assumption was was that he would provide access to the the power the quarters of power in Washington. That was his job. Um, so, I mean that, yeah, it's a bad story for Biden. Ultimately, he's like the, one of the lo potential losers in this. Yeah. And certainly the, um, uh, you know, the New Yorker had an extensive piece oh, about, great about story, his son yeah. And, yeah. and the troubles that he's had. I just don't think this is where Biden wants to go because there's no. such a public exhaustion with scandal and polarization that I think some voters are, are potentially going to look at Joe Biden and say, is this what we're going to have another four mm. years or possibly even eight years of if this guy is elected? So there could be some opportunities for Elizabeth Warren or Kamala Harris uh, to, to rise at Biden's expense. 
Yeah, because it, it, it says, I have been a politician for nearly 50 years. I, and that does not sit well with a lot of people, and, and I being Joe Biden. A, a final word, Nancy Pelosi, she represents San Francisco. We've been obviously following her career for years. Where does this put her? She has been trying to kind of straddle the line and keep her caucus in line. You know, where does this where does this leave her with that left flank in the, of the Democratic Party that's been so strong? Well, they've certainly been very critical of her, um, especially uh, AOC and others. Uh, I think this whole the way she played this uh, really speaks to the influence that she has within the, the Democratic caucus in, in holding this at bay. It also speaks to her wisdom, the fact that she could have jumped into this at any given time and as the Mueller report did not turn out to be the smoking gun, at least for the American people, although I think there was a lot of damning information there. Um, but I think Pelosi really comes out ahead. I think she played this right. I think the jury's out. I think the jury's out on this because because what you said earlier, John, we don't know how this is going to reverberate. I mean, I think she played it very well to this point to hold it off and, you know, hold it off. But, you know, once the numbers start coming, she, you know, she is a numbers counter. She counts the room. And I think we won't know if this paid off or not, if this was ultimately a smart move until, I mean, if she keeps the house, it was a brilliant move. If Trump loses, it was a good move. If Trump wins and it was in part because of the blowback on this, then it wasn't a good move. Yeah, I checked her Wikipedia page uh, a minute ago. (laughs) Someone has already added it that she moved for uh, impeachment and it seems like it's going to become a part of her legacy. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. No no question. Uh, Either way it goes. Yeah. All right. John and Joe, thanks so much for uh, for coming in. I appreciate it. That was good. My pleasure. Thanks. thanks to senior political writer Joe Garofoli and editorial page editor John Diaz for being our guests, to King Kaufman for producing this episode, and thank you for listening. Fifth and Mission is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. If you like this show, we'd love it if you'd subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts. And if you've got a minute to give us a quick review, that helps us build our audience so we can keep growing. You can support Fifth and Mission and the newsroom that creates it with a subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle. There are print and digital editions. Find out more at sfchronicle.com slash subscribe.